Well, thank you, Elizabeth. That's actually the first point of the message. It could literally be that. Let's find our text this morning in Exodus chapter number 3. Exodus chapter 3. How many of you love to wait? You go to the doctor's office. They say, be there 15 minutes early, and you wait for 30 minutes. Uh, how about traffic? Don't you love this one here? Man, you've worked all day long. You're trying to get home. You're in the left turn lane. The light turns green, and nothing happens. There's a lady. I mean, there's a car in front of you, and all you can see is an arm like this right here. And so you humbly hit your horn just as a reminder. Get out of the way. Waiting. Maybe you've worked at the company for 15 years and you're waiting for a promotion. Maybe you're waiting in sickness to get well. And you were supposed to have been well three weeks ago, a month ago, and you're still sick, waiting, waiting. Mm. Maybe you're waiting. You're a young person and you're waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright to come along and you're still waiting. Wow, waiting. We're going to talk about that today. I'm going to tell you about a man who did a lot of waiting. Matter of fact, if you'll check your Bible, you'll find there's a lot of waiting in the Scriptures. In Exodus chapter 3, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, or Mount Sinai. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire and out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I'll now turn aside and see this great sight, while the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large and a land flowing with milk and honey into the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites. Verse 9, Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me, and I've also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress him. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? Why would he say that? Well, let me tell you this story about Moses. We all know Moses as the baby. His mother put him in the, in the little basket and pushed him out into the waters there of the Nile because the orders had been given to kill all the Hebrew baby boys. And she, that was the only thing she knew was just to thrust her child upon the sovereign care of the Almighty. 
Well, we know what happened, and God plucked the heartstrings of a of a, an Egyptian woman, and uh, she happened to be the daughter of the Pharaoh, and uh, she had her attendants to go over and get the basket, and they opened it up, and in there was a little dark-eyed, uh, black-haired Hebrew baby boy, and no doubt it began to cry. And she put it to herself, and of course, that little baby sister was close by and said, Ma'am, would you like me to find a nurse for the baby? Well, this, this Egyptian was not confused. She knows what was going on, but something unusual about this child, and she wanted it. She said, yes, you go find me a nurse. And, of course, it was the mother of Moses. And when he was weaned, he was brought back into the, into the very palace there of the Pharaoh. He was raised. He was educated. He was trained. And, he, matter of fact, he was highly educated. The Bible tells us in, in the book of Acts, in chapter 7 and 23 and following, that uh, he was a man mighty in words and in deeds, uh, with great linguistic ability. Undoubtedly, he spoke the Egyptian language. He could write in the hieroglyphics. He understood the Hebrew language, and uh, and he was no doubt a soldier as well, trained in the in the ways of military. But uh, he come to the age of forty years old. Now, you can check it, and I don't know, I can't say for sure, but very possibly Moses was in line to have become the next Pharaoh. <clears throat> and so, but 40 years comes, and he knows who these Hebrew people are. He understands that he came from them. And so he goes out one day and just, I don't know, mingling, checking, whatever, and a taskmaster, an Egyptian uh, slave master is beating one of the Hebrews, and Moses just can't stand it and puts a literal stop to it. Now, we can imagine what took place, but he was a military man. He could take care of himself, and he took care of that Egyptian. He killed him. And uh, the next day, he goes out to check on his brethren, and they're fighting. And Moses, he tries to separate it, and one of them says, who made you a judge over us? You're going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Now, if you'll read on in the book of Acts, you'll find out in Acts 7.25, it says, Moses, he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. You see, I think Moses, even at this age right here, I don't know. I don't know how God spoke to him. I don't know how God told him. But I believe that he had this impression, this feeling, that he was destined to deliver the Hebrews, his blood people, from slavery. There's only one problem. He thought he was going to do it. And he was about 40 years early. Pharaoh found out what he had done. And Moses now was a hunted man. He fled for his life. He ran to the land of Midian. And he's out there, man, just hanging out one day. Like, what do you do? I'm out in a desert region. And he's at a watering hole. And here come some ladies up with the sheep. And, of course, there's some other guys there. And they're going to be bullies. And they're going to try to intervene. Well, Moses just steps right in the middle of it and takes care of things. The girls get on home a little early that day. Dad says, girls, what are you home early for? What happened? And they said, man, you ain't going to believe this. This Egyptian dude came out. And, and uh, the other guys was giving us a hard time. He handily took care of all of it and watered our sheep. And Dad said, uh, and where is he? You didn't invite him home for supper. He's been good to you. They go back and get him. 
Moses decides to live with him. Priest of Midian gives his daughter to Moses. He gets married. And he begins to follow sheep around. He leads sheep. He's feeding sheep. And they're not even his sheep. They're his father-in-law's sheep. And this is where we find him. Ten years in, out of Egypt. Twenty years out of Egypt. Thirty years. What am I doing? Same thing. What have you learned? I've learned about the desert. It gets hot in the day and it's cold at night. And what do you want to know about these little fuzzy things? These sheep. I can tell you all about them. You ever second guess yourself? Oh, it can be awful. You know, why did I do that? Why did I let that happen? Why did I say that? Why did I buy that? Why did I quit there? Why did I do this? And we can just literally beat ourselves up endlessly over bad decisions. I think Moses may have done some of that. You know, Moses, I wonder if he gets out there in the desert and it's cold, the suns are going down and What are you going to do tomorrow, Moses? The same thing I did today. The same thing I did last month. And the same thing I did 10 years ago. We're going to leap sheep out and try to find grass. And I wonder if he's thinking as he's sitting there beside the campfire. Man, I could be in Egypt right now. You know, I was a prince. When I walked down the street, they bowed the head before me. I, had, I could have had a nice mansion out on, the, on the, uh, the sides of the Nile River. I could have walked into the palace of Pharaoh anytime I wanted to. Hi, Pop. How you doing, man? Why's things going? I was like number two around there. But look at me now. I am a nobody. I am a nothing. Does God even know who I am? Was God speaking to him? We have no indication. Was he speaking to God? We have no indication. I don't know. Forty years waiting, waiting. He didn't even know what he's waiting for. He thought he was through. He thought, well, I messed that up. I must have missed the whole, I thought God was telling me to do something, and I don't know. I just, I've ruined it all. Forty years of waiting. Let me tell you something. Waiting is not something that is wasted, all right? Waiting helps us to check ourselves. It checks our motives a lot of times. What was my real reason? Waiting also tends to check our faith. It causes us to rely upon and to rest upon the Lord. You see, God was doing something. Moses was waiting, but God was busy. Matter of fact, if Moses had really read up his history, (laughs) some people, they don't like history. You know, they just take it to get through with it in school. But if Moses had really known his history, he would have known from his Great, 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 however many back father Abraham that God had told him, your people, your children will be in a land for 430 years. God was right on time. God hadn't missed a beat. He knew what was going. So the clock had to run out. And also, that old Pharaoh had to die, had to get off the scene. So you see... God may be bringing some things to pass behind the scenes involving you that you know nothing about and you think you thought he had forgotten you. Waiting gives us time to think. Sometimes waiting helps us to keep from making impulsive decisions that later we will regret. Do you know that waiting is one of the great character traits of the follower of Jesus Christ, it is. 
It separates us from self-reliance. Sometimes it knocks the props out from under. You ever had the props knocked out from under you? It's not any fun, is it? But it can be a great blessing on down the road because it reveals to us if we have real faith or if what we have is just a fad, all right? You see, waiting manifests this hope in the promises of God. There's two words you need to get a hold of. Actually, they need to get a hold of you. Number one is the sovereignty of God. God's in charge. God's in control. You see, sovereignty is a wonderful concept as it relates to the Almighty. God has got it. And if you're his child, God has got you, all right? The sovereignty of God. God's in control. God is not wringing his hands this morning because there's a war in Israel and there's a war in Russia and there's a bunch of crazy people over there shooting missiles at ships trying to sink them for no reason, you see. God's not worried about that. God's got it. You see, God's going somewhere with this thing. Jesus is coming again. And we may look around and say, oh, dear God, we desperately need help in our nation. We are literally imploding, and we just about are. But God has got it. God is doing something. The second thing you need to get a hold of or needs to get a hold of you is the love of God. And say, I understand it, preacher. Got it. I doubt it because I don't have it. You see, for God so loved God. The world, you. You just will get that world out of there and plug your name in. That he gave his only begotten son. Now, I can't understand that. I can't fathom that. I can rejoice in that. You see, a lot of times we confuse the love of God with our perceived worthiness. Well, I'm not worthy. I've messed up. Man, I said a cuss word. I blessed my wife out. I mean... And so I guess God don't love me. And you see, we do stuff like that. Get a hold of two things, the sovereignty of God and the love of God. And that will help you with waiting. And then here's the sixth thing. Age does not make any difference to God. Moses is 80 years old. Can I say something to some of our, I want you to love those words, senior citizens. Huh? That's a nice way of saying it. You're old. <laughs> Age doesn't make any difference to God. Moses is 80 years old right here, okay? And he's getting ready to start the greatest ministry of his life. He's getting ready to do things he literally had never imagined. He is getting ready to get in the face of one of the most powerful men in the entire region by the name of Pharaoh. That was his title. And he is getting ready to get in front of him and challenge him. God is getting ready to use him. So God's not worried about your age, okay? God's not a being of time, all right? We are. We, we are consumed with time, you know. And so, but God is not. God is not. As a matter of fact, right now, Moses is getting ready to have one of the greatest revelations. You know, before we go to that revelation, let me say this right here. Even for Moses, that time was not wasted because he was learning the desert. And he was getting ready to lead people. Matter of fact, maybe two million people into a wilderness desert 
region. And this man is going to know all about it. So his time is not wasted. Now, you may be in a period of waiting right now. But I, I'm going to tell you something. That's not wasted time. That's developing time. Can you believe God's sovereignty? Can you believe he loves you? Can you believe he's got you? All right. Let's go. So in verse number 2, it says, here he is in the desert. And uh, he happens to look one day. <laughs> and it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Here is a bush. It's on fire. And he said, hey, that's interesting. The bush is burning up. That's on fire. I don't think bushes just jumped on fire every day. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some, whatever, but it's on fire. And so Moses decides, this is very unusual, so I'm going to walk over there and check this fire out because I've been watching it now for two or three minutes, and the bush is not burned up. It's on fire, but it's not burned up. It is burning, but it is not consumed. Hmm, that's tremendous, okay? And so he walks over there, and as he gets a little bit closer, he hears a voice Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Amazing thought here. This is the first time the word holy has been used in the Bible. And it's one of the greatest concepts in reference to God you will find in the Bible. Number one, before any other character trait or doctrine about God, you need to understand God is holy. You see? God is holy. Some people think by holy, it means that God is separate from all sins. That can be true, but it's far deeper, broader, and wider than that right there. God is totally other. In other words, God is transcendent. He transcends the human experience. All right? He is the Almighty. He is the uncaused cause of everything, all right? He had no beginning. And you will see a little bit of that inherent in the name that he gives to Moses a little bit later on. And so this is burning, and, and the angel says, says, take your shoes off. You are now on holy ground. Let me just insert one thing. Why? Why take your shoes off? What is significant, Moses, about taking your sandals off? You know, when you take your shoes off just outside, you make a connection with the earth. I believe that God wanted Moses to make a connection, a close connection with him. God wants you to make a connection with him. You see? It's one thing to know about God. It's another thing entirely to know God, all right? And so Moses does, and here the angel of the Lord. Now, notice this is interesting as well. It says the angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord. God has many angels, myriad of angels, but this is not just a run-of-the-mill angel, if there's such a thing. This is the angel. What you actually have here is what we call in theology a theophany, all right? A pre-incarnate manifestation 
of Jesus Christ. So pre-incarnate, that means before he took upon himself a human body. You have the Son of God here manifested in the form of an angel in the Old Testament. So what we have is Jesus talking to Moses. My friend, that is awesome. And so he's talking to Moses here, and he's going to reveal some things to Moses. And he says a little bit later on, uh, Moses is going to say to God, God's sending him back. He said, now, God, when I go back to your people, what am I supposed to tell them your name is? And God says, you tell them, I am that I am. Hmm? He is the self-existent one. Remember a while ago I said he is the uncaused cause of everything. He is the creator. He made you. He made this world. He made the universe. There's not anything created that he didn't create. He is the creator, all right? He is his self-existent, and he doesn't have to have anything to continue to exist. He doesn't have to. You say, you know, well, he has to have man. He doesn't have to have man. He wants to have man. He loves you, and he wants to bring you into his family. But he is the awesome God. There is none like unto him. There is none beside him. Now, Moses got scared. Moses got scared. Hmm? You know, there's an old Negro spiritual and it's talking about the death of Jesus. And it says, Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Do you take him for granted? We read an evangelism session last week. And a video clip came up of a surgeon, a Christian. And he was explaining the crucifixion of Jesus. They were showing a picture of what it may have looked like on his back. As the cat of nine tails by the Roman centurion was lashed across his back and it literally ripped away the skin to where one could see the rib cage. He said, I understand what crucifixion is. He explained the scourging and what it does to the body. He explained uh, uh, what it was when the nails, the spikes were driven through his hand. He explained what it was when you tried to push yourself up just to get a breath of air to continue to live on the cross. And then this doctor said, he said, sometimes in church, I have a hard time singing songs about the cross. Don't ever take for granted what Jesus did for you. Sometimes it causes me to tremble, the writer of the song said. He's an awesome God. And he's a powerful God. And he's getting ready now to send his man Moses, who thought he was a has-been. He thought he was washed up and washed out. He thought he had been set on the bench. 
God's getting ready to put him back into the game. And God's getting ready to send him. And Moses says, when I get over there, I don't want it. They're going to say, well, who sent you here? What's his name? He said, you just tell them that I am, that I am, hath sent you. Mm, wow. And so Moses does that. I think about that bush that is burning with fire and it's not put out. And I think about God and this metaphor, this emblem, this symbol of fire. Do you remember whenever God was going to make a covenant with Abraham? And he told Abraham, get some animals, cut them in half and divide them and wait for me. And a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, which means Abraham did not enter the covenant. God entered it by himself. But what passed through? A smoldering pot of fire. What happened there when the children of Israel were in the wilderness? There was a pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. What happened when God descended down upon Mount Sinai prior to Moses receiving the Ten Commandments? He came down and the top of the mountain was on fire. Daniel in chapter 9 in verse number 7, Daniel sees God as sitting upon a flaming throne. What did John see in Revelation chapter number 1? When he looked upon the Lord, he said his eyes were as a flame of fire. Our God is an awesome God. He's a God of power. He's a God of might. Remember I said he's sovereign? God not only can do, but he will do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, with whom he wants to do it with. He is sovereign. He is almighty. And so he said, Moses, he said, you get back and you tell them this good news. You see, Moses had been waiting, but it was not time spent in vain. No, it was a time of preparation. Now, maybe you're there right now today. You're waiting and you're wondering, dear God, how long? He's working. He's working. He's got it together. And he's going to end his time. You see, leave the timing to God. We want to, we want to rush God. And then we want to get filled with anxiety. Why is something not happening? Be careful that you don't try to make something happen. Abraham's wife tried that. Abraham, 74 years old. And God comes to him and says, I'm going to make of you a great nation. In other words, you're going to have a child. Mm. Lord, that's good. You know, God, I'm uh, 74 years old. Well, God doesn't believe in age discrimination, my friend. But that's not the rest of the story. You see, Abraham will have to wait 24 more years before that child comes. Did I say wait? It's like, hurry up and wait. You know, he could have said, God, why are we waiting? Why can't I have one now? This promised child, this Isaac. And so Sarah, his wife, and don't judge Sarah. That's a whole different culture. We don't understand what family was to them, what children meant to them. And so Sarah gets this great idea. 
uh, I'm, I'm going to provide you a, a surrogate wife. I'm, I'm going to give you my handmaiden to Hagar, and you can maybe have a child by her, and we'll call it our child. We're going to help God fulfill the promise. He doesn't need you to help fulfill the promise. He will do it his way in his time. Are you in a hurry this morning? Are you having a problem waiting? You feel like God wanted you to do something or you feel like God wanted to do something through you, but it's just not happening? Well, you just wait upon the Lord because Sarah really didn't help. We're still having problems with that today, aren't we, because of Sarah's help. But, um, but God will do it. God will bring it to pass in his time. He has got it. He's got it under control. And so here we see Moses, and God is getting ready to send Moses back to uh, Egypt. I don't know that he ever wanted to go back to Egypt, but now he's going to go back to Egypt, and he's going to deliver the children of Israel. You know, in part of that name that God told Moses to tell to Israel, you tell them that I am what I am. I want you to remember that. He didn't say, I was what I was. He didn't say, I will be what I will be. He says, I am right now what I am. He is right now what and who you need, wherever you're at. And all over this auditorium, there's people at different places, different stages, different whatever in your life. But God has not failed you and God is going to take care of you. You remember Joseph? Joseph. I don't know that the Bible says anything negative about Joseph. I don't know. I haven't read in the Bible that says anything that Moses, you know, was a spoiled brat or did this wrong or that wrong. He was just one of the young sons of his father, and he loved his father. And his father sent him one day. Now, Maybe there's some problems with Jacob. Maybe the coat of many colors wasn't the best idea. But that being said, he sent Jacob to check on his brothers over in the region of Dothan one day. And he goes over there, and they, res they, they resent Joseph because they know he's a favorite child. And so they, some of them decided he's going to kill him. And one of them said, no, let's don't kill him. Let's just sell him. So they did. They sold him to some Ishmaelites who carried him down and sold him in Egypt. Hmm. He first became a servant to Potiphar. He later was put in prison for nothing he had done wrong. Thirteen years. You know, he could have said, you know, God, my life is wasting away. I've not done anything to deserve this. Why am I having to wait? Why don't you just deliver me, God? But God was doing something with Joseph. Matter of fact, God was doing something with Egypt. Matter of fact, God was doing something with Joseph's brothers. And if God's got you in a waiting pattern, a holding pattern, let me tell you, he's doing something. And that's where faith comes in. That's where you've got to say, I'm going to believe you, God. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to rest. Remember what I said a while ago? Waiting is one of the great character traits of a follower of Jesus Christ. But the day does come. When Joseph, at the right time, is elevated to second in command 
over all Egypt. And what's he going to do? God's going to use him to help save those people. And God's also going to use him to do a work in the hearts of those brothers who sold him. How many are you familiar with the book Pilgrim's Progress? One of the great classics in English literature in the world even today. It was written by a preacher, a, a, a basically a Puritan preacher who ended up in jail. And his great crime was he preached without a permit. He preached without the sanction of the official church at that day. He was put in jail in, in a prison environment for some 12 years. And John, all he had to do was just to say, okay, I give up. I won't preach. You can let me out now. But he wouldn't do it. And you said 12 years away from a wife, away from his daughter? For what? God was doing something. In that environment right there, God prepared this man to write Pilgrim's Progress, a book that has blessed multitudes over hundreds of years. You see, waiting does not mean doing nothing. It's a time for prayer. It's a time for perseverance. It's a time for Bible study. It's a time for, for looking inside as well as looking outside. It's a time of preparing yourself. It's a time of being ready, you see? And it's a time of working. Now, have you ever thought about the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, Jesus literally could have come out of heaven a 30-year-old man. He could have just dropped down on the cloud. He could have said, I am here to die upon the cross to redeem man and women. But he didn't. He was born as a babe. He took upon himself a human body and came into this world as a baby. And then as a toddler. And then as a child. And then playing in the streets with other children. And then being educated and trained by his daddy to be a mason or to be a carpenter. 30 years passes. And basically nobody outside of his town or his family knew who Jesus was. 30 years passes. He's baptized by John the Baptist. His ministry begins that last three years. But what a three years. What an impact upon the world. Our literally, our very dating system is based anno domini in the year of our Lord. Three years he dies on a cross and raised again from the dead. He waited for 30 years. Wait on your future. Trust God. Believe God. You're a young person. Wait upon your mate. That should be a time of prayer. Seeking God's direction. Seeking God's counsel. Seeking God's uh, 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 purpose and plan for you. Hmm? Wait upon your marriage. There are, I want you to hear me, there are no perfect marriages. They're not. You see? I mean, these people that stand up, well, uh, my wife and I have never had a fuss in the whole 50 years of being married. Yeah, and you've never lied either, have you? There are no perfect ones because they're made up of people, all right? They're made up of humans. We have struggles. We have problems. We have trials. I think sometimes some of the greatest struggles in marriages are in young marriages. 
because it just takes time. <laughs> it takes time to kind of get to know each other and kind of, you know, you know, get under the same yoke and work. be patient. Wait. Wait. Wait on your children. Don't give up. Some of you have, have raised children. You said, man, I did the very best I could possibly do. And they're acting like idiots out here. They're not in church. They're away from God. I mean, they're just wasting their lives. And you say, I think I'm just going to quit. What's the use? I did my best and I failed. No, you didn't fail, okay? That's the devil telling you that. So well, what am I supposed to do? Stay faithful to God. Stay in church. You know what? They need a rock. They need to look back and say, you know, this thing about Jesus is real. My mom and dad, they're staying in there. They're hanging in there. They're faithful to God. They love God. And they're not, they're not wavering. They're not giving in. You keep praying for them. You keep talking to them. But be there. Be stable. It's a time of waiting. Matter of fact, the majority of your life is going to be centered around waiting. All right? This is what the Bible says. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I like what Lamentations 3.25 says. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. I want you to wait today. Some of you are in a period of waiting. And I'll say this here. Waiting is not easy. Waiting is hard. Waiting can be difficult. Don't give up. Don't give out. Don't quit. Don't stop. You continue to pray. You continue to seek Him. And you continue to be waiting and just saying, Lord, I don't know exactly what it is I'm supposed to do right now, but you do, and I am going to wait on you. I'm going to trust you. And, God, I know you're with me. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. And could I ask you a question this morning? Is anybody here and you'd say, man, that's me. I'm struggling right now. I really need to hear from God. I need some answers. And I'm in a period of waiting. And it's a hard time. Would you lift your hand? You're not lifting it to me, but would you lift it to Jesus and say, Lord, look upon me and help me. God bless you. He sees that hand. He sees your hand. He does. He sees you, and He loves you. Anybody else? Jesus, help me. I need you right now. I'm having a hard time in this period of waiting in my life. I need direction. I need to know which way to go. God, help me. We're going to pray for you this morning. You've raised your hand. I don't know who you are, but we're going to pray for you. And you may be here today and said, you know, I've been waiting too. I need Jesus. Well, He's here loves you, come to him. He'll save you today. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and you saw the hands. Now, I don't know what all's going on in their lives. That's not my business. That's your business. But God, they lifted a hand to you and said, Jesus, help me. I need some help. God, I pray you'll hear their prayer today and answer it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We're going to stand to our feet. Brother Coleman's going to come. If you need to pray, this is a great time to do it. Open your heart to Jesus. Tell him what's on your soul. Tell him your struggle. And he'll hear your prayer.
Matt sings through a verse of a song, give you time to respond to God's word this morning. And so in the quietness of that, as he sings.